We are uh, continuing and pressing on in a sermon series in this season of Lent called uh, An Acceptable Time. We're looking at various texts in both the Hebrew Bible and uh, the New Testament where there is an intimation of that which God accepts. We've talked about an acceptable fast, an acceptable uh, sacrifice. Uh, Today we are uh, talking about acceptable piety acceptable piety, practices that are accepted by God. Our text is from Matthew 6, verses 1 through 6, 16 through 21. This is Jesus teaching his disciples. By his spirit, he teaches us even now through these words. Beware of practicing your righteousness or your piety before others in order to be seen by them For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, whenever you're generous with money, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so they may be praised by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, So that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Finally, whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door And pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And I invite you to join me in prayer. Lord, break open your word afresh to us this day. May it speak to us. May it resonate in our lives in such a way that you would move by your spirit to form us and mold us more into the people you're calling us to be. Even to be more like your son, Jesus the Christ, it's in his name that we pray. Amen. This past Friday, as you know, was St. Patrick's Day. In addition Uh, to St. Patrick's Day. It is an Atlanta legend's birthday. Uh, Some of you know this, some of you uh, do not, but it was Bobby Jones's birthday, the legendary golfer from here in Atlanta on St. Patty's Day. He died in 1971 at the age of 69, and so on Friday, rather, it would have been his 121st birthday. Uh, When Bobby Jones was just 14 years old, think about that. He was in youth group. 14 years old, he was invited to play in the U.S. Amateur, which eventually became the U.S. Open, at Marion Golf Club in Philadelphia. 14 years old, and he won his first two matches, eventually losing in the quarterfinals. Jones returned to Marion golf club eight years later for another 
U.S. Amateur, a tournament that he won. And then in 1930, as golf enthusiasts know, he completed the Grand Slam of golf in one season, winning all four majors uh, at the time. And the U.S. Amateur played once again at Marion Golf Club in Philadelphia. Now, Marion Golf Club has a very interesting quirk in its design and its layout. It's deeply embedded in a town just outside the city called Ardmore, a suburb technically of Philly. It all blends together there on the main line. And because it's embedded in a neighborhood, space and land is at a premium. As a result, the first tee is a stone's throw away from what is called the upper terrace. It's an outdoor seating area that can accommodate 72 people at one sitting for lunch or for dinner. The great Lee Trevino once uh, said of the first tee at Marion, it's the only U.S. open opening hole 20 yards from the kitchen. For those that have played there on a nice day, when people are out on the terrace enjoying their lunch, they will tell you that that can be one of the most intimidating and nerve-wracking golf shots in your entire life. It's customary for those who are dining on the upper terrace when they see a group come to the first tee box that they put their cutlery down, they put their glasses down, and they stop their conversations as if this helps. <laughs> They're trying to be courteous, as one does, not offering any distractions, but as the golfer climbs into the first tee box, they know that everybody is watching them. Good luck with that. The first shot at one of the most difficult courses in the country with up to 72 people staring at you. It's not uncommon for a member to tell their guest who is playing there for the very first time, uh, just pretend like no one's watching. Just pretend it's just you out on the course. Of course, that is very difficult to do because people are watching and you know it. You can feel their eyes fixed to you. Now for most of us, uh, we as human beings care to some greater or lesser extent. We do care in some degree what people think of us when they watch us. Now, I know some people will say, well, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'll call the bluff. Everybody cares at some level, some degree, what people think when they look at us, when they see us. When someone is watching me, do they uh, see a moral person? Or someone to be desired, someone to be admired, someone who's authentic, someone who is competent, someone who is secure, someone who's content, someone who's independent or strong, or someone who lives in harmony with themselves and with others. People love to watch people, and people are watching. And we do care, to some degree, 
about what they think of us, whether we want to admit it or not. Our text this morning uh, is a portion of Jesus' epic teaching called the Sermon on the Mount. If you've never read the Sermon on the Mount in its entirety, I'd encourage you to do so as soon as you can. Read Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7. It's a little over 2,200 words and will take you only 10 minutes to read, but it will take you an entire lifetime to live into. The Sermon on the Mount is the gold standard of Christian ethics. It's the moral frame that helps us understand the cost of Christian discipleship and what it means to humbly follow Jesus Christ. And in our text today from Matthew 6, from the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has a most difficult word to convey to those that live out their faith and life as a performance to impress people who are watching. In other words, these are ones who live out their faith and life in order to shape the opinion of everyone who is watching them and to shape that opinion in their favor. Of course, today, social media gives us every opportunity to shape the opinions of others about us as they watch us constantly. We curate narratives, we curate photographs, we curate videos to tell a story that we want other people to see. Well, in Jesus' day, there was, of course, no social media. But as the text uh, conveys, there was the synagogue and there was the street corner. There was the public square where people were posting their lives as other people were watching them live. And in that public square, Jesus must have observed people who were putting on a show of piety to gain favor or admiration from all those who were watching them. There were people giving money away. They were admiring their own generosity, patting themselves on the back in the hopes that others would pat them on the back too. There were people praying out loud who loved hearing themselves pray and and hoped that others would love their prayers too. And there were those fasting, those making sacrifices, those practicing devotion to God, doing hard things in the hopes that others would recognize and celebrate their sacrifice and their discipline and their devotion and lift these ones up as spiritual champions. So Jesus, who is not afraid to offer a critique in the New Testament, begins to add his own interpretation, his own suggestions for those who are prone or who are actively doing such things. And what's interesting is that he does not give the advice that a member might give a guest at Marion Golf Club. Just pretend that no one's watching. That's not the advice that he gives. Jesus was not naive Jesus was fully God and fully human. He knew how humans operated. He knew that we like to watch each other, and he knew that people like to watch us. Now, some may conclude that Jesus' instructions about our piety being practiced in secret behind closed doors is because believers should practice their devotion to God as if God is the only one watching. 
Now, I could ascend to that idea. I could buy into that interpretation only if we did not have the fifth chapter of Matthew, specifically the 15th and 16th verse. And when I read them, you're going to remember them right away. People do not light a lamp, Jesus says. You know this verse? And put it under the bushel basket. Rather, they put it on the lampstand and it gives light all in the house. In the same way, Jesus says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Now, at first glance, this text and the text set before us this morning from Matthew 6, when you read them side by side, immediately you might say that there is incongruity. There's a lack of coherence or consistency, right? Jesus, which is it? Practice our faith, share the light so others may see it, or shut the door and practice our faith in secret so that no one but God sees. I mean, which one is it, Jesus? Should I tee off as if everyone is watching? Or should I tee off as if no one is watching? These teachings would certainly lack continuity if we thought, if we interpreted one text, uh, the Matthew 5 text was, uh, was about letting others see our piety, and the other text is about not letting others see our piety. Now that would be confusing, wouldn't it? If Jesus was, was teaching in that way. But I do not think that's what it's about. I don't think Jesus is trying to confuse anybody. I think what he's trying to communicate in both of these texts is that it's all about motivation. It's all about the why it's about the disposition of the heart and the why one is practicing the piety in the first place, right? Because Jesus knew people watch us. They watch you. They, they watch me. And the question is, what do we hope people see when they watch us? What do we hope people see when they see us practicing our faith. In Matthew 5, the motivation of the one sharing their light is that others will see our light, will see our piety, will see our good works, and that God would be glorified. That's the motivation. But in Matthew 6, the motivation of some people is, is different. The motivation is that others will see our generosity. Others will hear our prayers. Others will see the sacrifices we're making for God and give us glory and give us praise. In Matthew 5, we share our light to bring glory to God. In Matthew 6, we share our light to bring glory to ourselves. There's continuity between these two texts, and it's all about motivation in other words, if your motivation, Jesus is saying, if your motivation is to bring glory to God or amplify the kingdom of God or magnify the gospel of Jesus Christ, then by all means, practice your piety out in public. Go do it if you're making it about God. Let people see your good works 
so that God may be praised. But if your motivation is to draw attention to yourself, to prop yourself up, to glorify yourself, then you ain't ready for public piety. Go home, go to your room, shut the door, and spend some time with God. And allow God's grace and spirit to work in your life to form and shape in you a disposition that says it's not about me, it's about God. So an acceptable piety is not whether it's private or public. We've probably heard sermons before that say, well, the acceptable uh, uh, piety, clearly in Matthew 6, it's gotta be private. So keep it all behind closed doors. That's not what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. An acceptable piety is not whether it's done in private or public. An acceptable piety is done with the right motivation. Why am I practicing my faith in this particular way as others are watching me? To draw attention to myself or to draw attention to God? For others to see how good God is or for others to see how good I am. And so I, I, I want to close uh, with this. There is a sense in this text, and Jesus says as much, that God rewards piety. That God rewards this type of God-centered piety, whether it's practiced in public or in private. Now, if you're like me, it may make you uneasy to think of God as doling out rewards, like gold stars and trophies. Uh, that idea of God, for some of us, including me, is, it's very uncomfortable. It's, it's hard to, to process a God who is uh, doling out all these rewards for good behavior, for good piety. Now, for those uneasy like me, there is some relief in that there is more nuance in the Greek than the English word reward portrays. The Greek word here implies that the giver of the reward is giving something that they own. It's giving, they're giving something that they own. Now, now think about it in this way. Perhaps you have won an award or one day will win an award because you performed in an excellent way at work or in the concert hall or in the nonprofit world or in the classroom or on the sports field that you have won some award. The person conferring that trophy or that token or that medal doesn't own it. It's not theirs. They're just conferring it to you. In contrast, this Greek word implies that the reward that is given is something that is owned by the person giving it. It belongs to them. They own the thing they're giving away. It's like someone who has lost their dog and they put flyers up in the neighborhood with a picture of their, of their beloved pet and they say $1,000 reward and, and the dog is found and brought to the owner and they give out of their pocket. It doesn't come from city government. It comes from them. They give the money to the person who found the dog as a reward. It's something of value that they give over to the person who rescued their pet. I want to be very clear 
that the reward for the piety that God accepts is not cash or anything material. There is no prosperity gospel in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's just not there. But God does give a reward. And that reward is God's very life. That's what God gives. God's very presence. As we offer our devotion to God, whether it's private or public witness, through acts of generosity, through acts of prayer, through acts of sacrifice and faith, God opens to us a deeper sense of God's presence and God's grace and God's love in our lives. To put it plainly, the reward for acceptable piety is more God. And there's no better reward than that. So Jesus says, let your light shine before others so God may be glorified and so that you will be rewarded with more of God in your life. And if you can't practice your faith in public without making it about you, that's okay. Just go to the secret place, the hidden place, where it's just you and God to work those things out. And I promise God will give more of God to you too. Amen.